Hi, this is Scott Galloway, NYU professor, best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, and the host of the PropG Markets podcast. For nearly two years, PropG Markets has brought listeners unfiltered analysis on high-flying stocks, burgeoning sectors, stupid acquisitions, and master of the universe CEOs. Starting May 20th, PropG Markets is launching a new feed with two episodes per week. What a thrill! The good news? I know how to get your rich. The answer... It's on Prop G Markets. Don't miss out. Listen and subscribe to Prop G Markets wherever you get your podcasts. And it's here. It's the finale of Eurobash on MMA fighting. The last rants, as I've decided to call it, in in an ode to Michael Jordan's The Last Dance. Um, <laughs> it's been a fine run, though, McGrath. <laughs> um, but here we are, uh, an hour from the end, as they say. Uh, how are you doing, my love? Um, I hope you have the Kleenex close, boy. I know you're going to get very tearful yeah. thinking about your time here. Me, yeah, very emotional guy. Um, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not really emotional unless I'm on the gargle. To be honest, with you, um, <laughs> Same. I, I do tend to get emotional watching football. Um, but bar that, nothing really sort of gets me emotional. Bar you, Pete, you you do my fucking yeah. head in. We we all know that. But yeah, listen, our time is going to an end. Shit happens. So is life. <laughs> just just gotta just gotta shovel on, man. It's been um, fantastic. It's been brilliant. We started in August 2018. Our first interview was Javier Mendez. Uh, we had the original panel. Panel was uh, myself, Noel, and Neil Siri, who we're going to be hearing from later on. Uh, of course, he believes the downfall of this show is the because weasel. of his absence. He's probably right. Um, our goal was to shine a light on this uh, European scene, and it worked very, very well. Um, you know, I think we put a huge spotlight, 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 on cage and KSW uh, promotions like that. And I see a lot more media members covering them as well. Not to say we were the first, but, um, you know, we, we certainly helped, uh, gain them a bit of uh, ground in this part of the world. And um, very, very happy we, we managed to do that. Um, and yeah, me and Noel McGrath remained friends throughout the, nobody even left halfway through, uh, you know. The season of of Eurobash, we we always we always brought it to the forefront, which we're very proud of, of course. Bar Siri, he left. He <laughs> <laughs> ran a mile. <laughs> Do you think he was uh, afraid of you? Do you think he thought I it was going to so. get physical one day with you? And yeah, that's when he was like, oh, I, I will w- never, will never be able to live that down if Norman McGrath smashed me. Belly was going to get him, definitely. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Eat that little weasel. <laughs> It'd be like. Um, be like a Rottweiler having his dinner, I suppose, really, wouldn't it? That little, <laughs> that little fucking Jeez. squirt. <laughs> He's going to batter me now the oh next time he God. sees me. Team me up, he will. Uh, but no, yeah, it's been fun, Pete. Uh, yeah. Well, we, let's, let's not get our, uh, let's not let it get in the way of the episode. We have news to get you. There's so much news. It feels like everything's kicking back off again, for Christ's sake. Too much news. Uh, yeah, so let me uh, have a flick through these. Tiger Ulenbekov signs for the UFC. Marvin Vittori v. Carl Robertson rebooked for June 13th. Askar Askarov v. Alejandre Pantoja is targeted for July 18th. Caitlin Chukagian faces Antonina Shevchenko at, at a UFC event on May 30th. 
Ariane Lipsky v Luana Carolina is rebooked for a UFC card on June 13th. MTK Global have announced a partnership with KHK, uh, which is quite interesting on the back of our conversation with Phil O'Connor last week um, about Daniel Kinahan. Gamrot v Park 3 and Ruzek v Mankowski have been slated for a July 11th marquee with KSW. And um, two new signings uh, to KSW. And I had to ask Alan Murphy to send me voice notes on how to pronounce these names, but I'll <laughs> still mess them up here for you. Uh, Mateusz Ligerski and FEN double champ Andrei Grebic, I'll call him, signed for KSW. So there you go. We have we have that to look forward when things kick off again. Wonderful. Yeah. Pronunciation was right in well, T. Excellent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no one here to correct us, so I think I got it perfectly. It's good. It seems as though, and um, we're going to be speaking to our good friend Ariel Hawani, who can shine a bit of light on this as well, that uh, international fighters seem to have been activated over the last week or while, week or so even. Molly uh, McCann seems to have a fight booked on the um, fight island. Um, any any word on this from you? I see a lot of talk that it could be Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi. Mm. Um any ideas for you where it could be, or is that what you're hearing too? Man, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, your your guess is good as mine. Like Yaz Island, I, like I don't know how that's like. It's not they couldn't have bought that. Like it's it's a place. It's obviously they've had events up near there before and Abu Dhabi, so it's going to be interesting. Um, no, I haven't heard anything really, unless we're doing something in Inish more like. Would be great. <laughs> It'd be perfect, yeah. But no, Maybe man, I don't know. <laughs> it's not. To be honest, with you, PT, I find it. You know, I, I'm not fully sold on this from Dana. But I think he's. You know, we might we we might hit a road bump with this. Yeah, we don't we don't know. Um, you know, it is an issue we've talked about on the show the last couple of weeks with two of the guests we've had on, like Darren Till mentioned it. Um, you know, Paul Felder reckons it's a big advantage for the American fighters. So it is like there's there's very few european fighters booked in the next number of weeks as we'll as we'll talk about later i think it's what black out black ivanov is, is one of the few that's booked he's based out there as far as i'm aware as well so listen it needs to happen we need to get european fighters back active it's very very important for these guys like half of them haven't had 90 percent of the european roster even probably more haven't had a fight in what four, three four months it's mental yeah, it's, it's a long time it's be a bit longer as Is well considering exactly. how many people they can put on the card and shit like that like it's not um it's not um very easy for the ufc i'd imagine to accommodate everyone but um speaking of european fighters um francis Ngannou v john jones noel i was shocked to see it the other day <laughs> that you you it's just like does anyone even care about this fight yeah yeah, a lot of people do, Noel. Yeah, not, I think a lot of people don't either. You know, I don't. I, I can understand from the UFC's point of view why they wouldn't want to put that together. You know, if you're moving John Jones up and you're taking the risk of putting him in there with a guy who's not even world champion in that division, you know, and and let's be honest, like it's not as if Francis is a household name, um, you know, he like a lot. Yeah, he, you know, he he can potentially be that. You know, a lot more people, I'm sure, know who Cipemiocci is. He's the champion. I just think. There's no point in the UFC risking a potential future date with Stipe and John Jones if he wants to go down that route. I think it's the fight that makes sense for them. You know, you can sell the champion versus champion thing. With Francis Ngannou, you can't do that. Um, you know, if he goes in there and cleaves John Jones' head off, uh, which is a very sort of <laughs> possibility, possibility that it could happen, um, you know, it takes away a lot of stock for John Jones as well. And I don't think the UFC um, have really embraced the idea of putting that fight together and I actually totally agree with them. I was never liking that fight. I think if John Jones is to go up, there's only one fight, it is the world champion, whoever that's going to be and currently that champion is Steve Miocic. 
I I understand the point uh, in terms of titles and things like that. Um, but I think for for a fight alone, I I can't think of a a more compelling fight outside of the Connors of this world in terms of gaining a casual audience. Like I mean, you don't need to even have Francis speak. You just play his highlight reel, and he's he's fighting John Jones, the immovable object. What do you think's bigger? If you're Francis, becoming the first African heavyweight champion in the sport or beating John Jones? That's an interesting one. I think probably from Francis. I saw, um, I should I should say, I saw this being debated on The Athletic. Um, I think it was uh, Josh Gross and um, Ben Folks. I think they were debating it. Yeah. So I have stolen that question from the split decision. But I'm wondering, what do you think? I, I, think, I, do, I think it is. A, it's a hard one to pick. It is, but I think you'd have to go for, for the world title because, you know, that's uncharted territory in Africa, a country that's obviously, it's starting to produce mixed martial artists of very, very high caliber. And I think to have that strap in the world's premier mixed, more, mixed martial arts organization means more than, than beating John Jones currently at the moment. And, you know, there's a lot of development needed for the sport there in Africa. There's so many, you know, as we see with Rug Rug, for example, there's, there's so much untapped talent out there that can transfer over to mixed martial arts. And I think to have that accolade, that title, would mean more than anything for any African-based or African fighter um, that's on the UFC roster at the moment. And, you know, you can wait for these John Jones fights to happen. With him winning that world title, that opens up many doors. That opens up, you know, a potential fight against John Jones' future date down the line. That's another thing I think we take into advantage from the last question you asked me, is that we can, we can do this again. You know, the, the Stipe fight mightn't be there in, in, in three or four years. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I do get what you're saying. I, I think the part that is kind of annoying about it is is the fact that it's... The reason why it isn't happening is because the UFC won't pay them for it, you know? Well, like, um, it, it's it's tough, isn't it? Like, I mean, this this is, you know... Is that the, the, re- is that the real reason, though? And, and apparently the greatest fighter of all time, and um, they wouldn't... Do you think do you think it is a payment thing, or do you think they're just more along the thinking of you, where they don't want to sacrifice certain matchups and yeah, because they make more money long term. Payment means nothing really to them. Well, well, they make more money long term if if they don't do this fight at the moment, in my opinion, and um, because I think if they do DC and Steep A two, and I mean a lot of people are giving Steep A shit at the moment, and they, they tend That's to forget, mad, isn't it? They tend That's to forget. The guy's out there. He's 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 you know on the front lines, you know, fighting firefighters, still working. He's had eye injuries. Um, to deal with as well, taking a little bit of time out for that. He's become a father in the last year. You know, and, and you've Daniel Cormier playing this narrative, oh, he doesn't want to fight me, he won't give me... Listen, Daniel, at the end of the day, you would not give him an a re- rematch after you poked the eyes off him um, in that fight. And then, you know, he, he should be allowed to do the same thing and he shouldn't be under any pressure from the UFC to, to take that. But going back to the original point, if the UFC play this their cards right in terms of putting on the right matches at the right time, they're going to make more money in the long term. And that's what it's all about. And like at the end of the day, listen, Francis Ngannou had a shot at Steve Miocic. He didn't beat him. So in my opinion, the bigger fight is John Jones versus Steve Miocic, if that is to happen, if he goes up there. Daniel Cormier can sit and wait. I disagree. I, I Like, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I disagree that it's a bigger fight. John Jones v. Stipe than Francis v. John Jones. I, I just think that would sell so much. And especially in this day and age, was to happen now um, in a situation where you can't do a lot of interviews and stuff. I mean, I feel like the Nganu highlight reel could sell this fight better than any press conference, really. You know what I mean? But I, it's not, you know, I, I know that it's nuanced and I do take your point. But um, I, I don't, like, can you think of 
I really can't think of any fight other than a Connor fight that would be as captivating as Ngannou v. Jones. Do you really think that Steve A. V. Jones is bigger than this yeah, pay-per-view wise? Yeah. Just because of the belt? Because the two baddest motherfuckers on the planet. Like, that's that's really the way it is. And listen, Franny has had a shot at Stipe. Didn't and go well. Yeah, it didn't go well. Stipe, you know, outboxed him. It was a clinic, to be honest with you, from, from Mr. Miocic in that fight. And I, I just don't um, get why people are were so hung up on this Jones idea. Like, really? It's like, Ngannou is only sort of recaptured what we've seen in him in the last two or three fights. And obviously coming off that fantastic knockout. But like at the end of the day, he's lost two two scraps in there in his last few. Stipe's only lost one and he redeemed that loss as well. So Stipe is the baddest motherfucker in the man. And the guy just doesn't get enough, uh, does not get near enough credit for, for what he deserves, in my opinion. And that's obviously rangs with the UFC and Dana White as well. He's always had a, a turbulent time and relationship with, with, with the UFC and Dana White. You know, I'm sure they don't want him to be champion, but at the end of the day, he is their fucking champion. And, and they need to start taking into consideration what he wants to do as well. Because, like, really, even the Jones fight, or the DC fight, I'm not interested particularly in seeing part three of that at the moment. I think they should strike while the iron's hot. Go, I've said this for a long, long time, they should steep Emmy Ochis and John Jones. If John Jones was going to go up, it's got to be Steve Emmy Ochis because he's the champion. Simple. That's it. End of. The uh, you know you're you're talking about Stipe getting a hard time. One of the worst shows I've seen is people calling him for for him to be stripped. You're like, are you seriously like, going to strip uh, a frontline worker? Yeah. During the coronavirus, Man, you know what I mean. That would be. I've seen people say this online. That would be the worst fucking decision anyone could make in terms of optics. Like, come on. Yeah. No, it's it's, it's absolute madness. It's crazy, and people that think like that, like the guy fought last August. We've seen other fighters take you know a lot longer than that out and not be stripped of their. Yeah, absolutely. so you know get a grip get with it um the guy needs a fucking break he's he's the world's heavyweight champion um you know he, he's fought two hard fights against daniel cormier got injured from the back of one of them he's on the front lines fighting he's a bloody young kid not too long married fucking hell man like what else have you got to do to shut up people at times and he'll get back in there i'm sure before the end of this year and we'll see him uh see him either take on dc again or or potentially even that john jones fight Forget, right. Well, for, let's forget, get on with our first forget, interview of the day. Forget it's one Franny. of the big. Sorry. Forget Franny. <laughs> okay. No, nobody will. You're the only man in the world that doesn't like that fight. It's amazing, boy. I, I do get your point with Stipe, but um, let's get on to our first interview of the day. It's a man who helped this train get rolling. The the goat of MMA media, Ariel Helwani of ESPN, and of course the CEO of Helwani Boxing. Uh, great for him to get on the show. Uh, we've been wanting him on for a long, long time. Um, it's sad that it had to be the final one, but uh, great to speak to him as always. Uh, he's always been a big, big supporter of ours, and we really appreciate it. Great to speak to Ariel. We'll be back in about 25 minutes to speak about McGregor v. Usman. And uh, we'll also have a look at McGregor's GOAT rankings he uh, put up over the weekend and see how close our top five is to McGregor's. So uh, see you in a bit. We'll be back in a while. And now I am joined by the great Ariel Hawani, the face of ESPN MMA. And one of my great inspirations, of course, and a man who gave us lots of encouragement um, and lots of help with the concept for this show. And, and what better way to, to, the first time I interview him on one of these shows, be our last one on Eurobash. Very sad, but a momentous occasion all the same. Ariel, how are you, my love? I'm doing great. What's the crack, PT? Um... 
you know, it's uh, it's bittersweet on on many different fronts. Uh, number one, uh, because as you mentioned, this is the last Eurobash on MMA fighting. Uh, number two, because I've been waiting for almost 100 episodes now for you to invite me, and you finally invite me on the last one. And number three, and perhaps most important, I was wondering, are we going to do like a one-on-one or a 2v1? And apparently I'm not big enough for Niall, so it looks like it's just you and me here. Uh, one of these days I'll get the 2v1, as they say. Yeah. But I'm happy nonetheless to be with you. Yeah, Niall, I asked him about it. He's like, who? And I was like, yeah, sorry yeah. about that. You know, he just doesn't know you are afraid, Ariel. Like, he's just not big time enough for him, I guess. No, I understand. He can't be bothered. He's probably really busy right now doing God knows what. Yeah. Um, but most importantly, I'm a huge fan. I've tweeted about the show. I look forward to the next chapter for you and Niall and the show itself. Um, you know, sorry to hear how things went. I don't think it's uh, it's an indictment on you guys or the show. Uh, it's just an unfortunate time in our lives. But I'm glad to see that you are uh, kicking it until the very end with MMA fighting. And I can't wait to see what's next for you. How are you finding this all, Ariel? I know um, you do work from home an awful lot, but you know you used to have a, a few days in the studio as well. Is this very different for you? And is it good? Is it a good different? Or how are you finding it? It's dramatically different because, like right now, we're taping this on uh, Monday afternoon. I would be, you know, in the studio doing my show uh, during this time driving. For the past almost two years, I was driving to Bristol, Connecticut, which is two hours away from where I live. And, uh, you know, that's quite the trek, two hours, um, you know, one way and then two hours back. So I was driving four hours on uh, on Mondays and that's a lot. And, uh, you know, after doing the show, you're very tired and all this stuff, or at least I am because, you know, it's three hours, three and a half hours straight. And so now it's it's dramatically different. And my Mondays have changed as well. I'm no longer doing for now like those shows with the five, six, seven, eight guests doing the DC and Hawani show. But I would say I've really, really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the change of pace. I've enjoyed switching it up. Uh, I was doing one sort of show for 11 years. And so it's nice to do something different. I have my Wednesday show as well. But, you know, honestly, being at home, two things. Number one, it reminds me how I started. I'm literally sitting at the same table that I sat at when I started in 2007 doing, you know, my website and interviewing people that I was reaching out to via MySpace. So it kind of takes me back to that. And I think that I was sort of built and started um, on a path where, you know, I'm used to, you know, just reaching out to people and being creative, even though I don't have a fancy schmancy studio behind me, I'm still doing it the same old way. I just so happen to be with ESPN. So that's a little different. And number two, the time that I've gone to spend with my, my family, you know, my, my wife and kids and our dog during this time has just been, um, has been really nice. Like the bonding and just being with each other and getting to do things like learning, you know, them learning how to ride a bike. I still can't ride a bike, but they've learned how to ride That's a bike. That's hilarious. And, that is, that is so weird. <laughs> and uh, just all that stuff. So it's honestly, I, I hate that it's happened this way. And I hate that what's happening to this society, to world, to humanity. But uh, I'm trying to make the best of it. At the beginning, I was very down. Uh, but now I feel like I've uh, hit a groove, so to speak, to where, you know, I'm seeing the bright side. Yeah, I love the show with you and DC. You you bounce off each other so well. And, you know, as I'm watching that show, I'm kind of thinking, does it ever go back to the way it was? Does it need to go back to the way it was? You know, do, do you think uh, the way we're doing our jobs in this time will uh, maybe change how we do it in the future? I mean, do, do you feel like there is going to be a big rush to get you back in the studio and have a million guests on every Monday? Because, man, we only have, you know, between two and four guests every week here, and it's a nightmare. I can only imagine. Like, Do you still book the whole thing uh, by yourself and everything whole like that? 
That's crazy, man. Like, I mean, it must be an awful lot less stress, at least just to have to get one guy on the phone on Monday, right? Oh, my God. My Sundays are dramatically different now. <laughs> I mean, you know, I will say this to you. I would watch UFC events, the big ones, right, where there's the biggest names. And there was a point where I wasn't even enjoying them as much because after every fight, I'm thinking to myself, okay, how do I get this person on Monday? What is it going to take to get this person on Monday? Who do I have to go through? Will they say yes? Are they beat up? Do they want to talk? Was it controversial? And it's like you're watching these great fights and you have this great privilege and all I'm worried about is booking it because booking it is so tough. Like if I had to just show up on Monday and do the show, that would be a blast. But I have to book the show because – and that's partly my fault. Like I don't hand the reins off to anyone and you know, I just kind of feel like I've been doing it for so long so I should – uh, continue to do it. But yeah, things are dramatically different. And I have to say, you know, watching the last three events, and I'm sure it'll be the same on Saturday when Woodley fights and then 250, etc. It's really been a lot different because I don't have to worry about reaching out to these people right away on Saturday night, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning and trying to get them to confirm to be on the show. And I've just really enjoyed, you know, I've always been hesitant to do something like this with with Daniel or any other fighter because, you know, and they're in the midst of their career and you don't want to seem biased or any of this stuff. But once the pandemic hit and we were all at home, DC and I have been talking about when he'd retire that we would do something together. But like, it was like, all right, well, there's, there's no better time than now. We might as well do it. Who knows how long we'll be, you know, sitting on the sidelines with no sports or no UFC, no MMA. So we might as well do it. And thank God, because we have this great relationship behind the scenes, it translated into this show. So I really don't know what the future is going to be. Like, is this going to be the case from here on out? Are they going to change it in a month? I really don't know. I will just say I'm really enjoying it. And I really like what it has resulted in as far as my MMA watching or UFC watching specifically, because that's the only thing going on, because I don't have to worry every Monday about booking a gazillion people to come on the show. And I hope that the fans understand that 11 years of doing something and booking them, you know, uh, all on my own, you know, that, yeah, sometimes it's fun to switch things up a little bit. I can't imagine. I don't know how you sustained that for so long, man. Even thinking about that there, I'm exhausted. Um, is, <laughs> is Chael jealous of your relationship with DC? Obviously, you guys, you know, you had your own show, and I feel like maybe he might feel a bit pushed out by this um, uh, blossoming wow. relationship really between hitting, you and DC. Really hitting me with the hard-hitting questions here, PT. Well, I look, love it. Look, man, <laughs> this is why they pay me the big books. Ah, <laughs> uh, Yes, I love it very much. Um no, not at all. I mean, it's a totally different show on a different platform. Chael, Ariel and the Bad Guys on ESPN Plus, and we built ESPN Plus with our hands off our shoulders. We made that platform what it is. And the fact that we don't get recognition for it is a crime, if you ask me, a travesty. It is. DC and Hawaii is a completely different show. It's like we're talking a little bit MMA. We're talking a little bit other stuff. It's free format. It's kind of a radio show style where it's just us going back and forth. Ariel and the Bad Guys is a lot more produced, five rounds, five minutes debate style so to me like yo why can't i have two shows why can't i have three shows why can't i have four shows at the moment i'm very very lucky i have dc hawani on monday i have Ariel on the bad guy on wednesday i have the hawani show podcast on wednesday as well which is more like the monday show what that used to be with the multiple interviews i host the snapchat show for espn mma i host the facebook show for them as well i got things going my man so i i feel like you know why can't I serve multiple masters and, and everyone get a piece of the pie? So I'm, I'm happy. Kind of just said that uh, DC walked through the door that Chael opened, but we can move on. We can move on. <laughs> um, you know, there's been a lot of talk. Here we go. Here, I'm going to start grilling you now. You better be ready for this, Ariel. 
um, Foyt okay. Island, right? We need Foyt Island in Europe because most international fighters think it's their best chance of competing. They think the visa situation to get into the US is too complicated at the moment. And when you talk to these European fighters or fighters internationally, they all think that's the way they do it. What have you heard? Where is Foyt Island? We're, here, we're seeing a lot of reports that it could be Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi. What can you tell us? What have you heard? Do you have an inkling? Do you have any knowledge? Uh, okay, okay. Jeez Louise, can you let me answer, for God's sakes? Um, <laughs> so it's like, a, it's like an interrogation here. Uh, Just answer the question, so Ariel. I, Jesus. <laughs> so I will, I will admit this. I will admit that early on my, my impression of quote-unquote Fight Island was that Dana White was scrambling. Dana White wanted to figure out how to get the UFC back. I mean, let's not forget, he didn't want to miss a single week. He wanted to do the London card some way, somehow, if you recall, in, on March 21st. And so I think he was throwing things out. He was working on things. He was, he was uh, you know, coming up with plans. They were brainstorming. But I don't know if there was an actual real thing that quickly. I mean, it's impossible to do something like that that quickly. However, so my thing was always, all right, until I start to hear from the managers and the fighters that they're being approached about fighting on an island, I just don't believe it yet. And it's not because I want to say that he's a liar or anything. On the contrary, I'm just saying, like, until people are actually being offered fights at this location, to me, it's just a thing. It's a thing that they're selling T-shirts about and talking about, but it's not a real thing, and people love talking about it. And I think what happened was people really liked it. It caught, like, wildfire. It became a catchy thing to say. It became a great idea that people were, like, envisioning who's going to fight, where is it going to be, what's it going to look like. And then they started to really seriously, you know, work on it. First, they had to try to get the Jacksonville thing done, right? And then they start to think about this. And they got that done successfully for the most part. Now they're thinking about this. And last week around Wednesday, I got five calls from five different important people in the sport saying, Fight Island is real. We've been offered a fight. They're talking about this. They're debating that. They're, 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 they're negotiating this. And now I'm, I'm a believer that it's going to happen in July based on those conversations. Now, do I know the exact location? Honestly. Hand, hand on my heart, I do not know the exact, exact location. But I do know that multiple fighters, managers, representatives have been approached about fighting on the island. I know that multiple fights are being discussed for the island. Dates are being discussed in July. I, I think it's a pretty safe bet that June is going to still be at the apex, and that's perfect. But to your point, they need Fight Island badly, or whatever this island is going to be and wherever it's going to be badly, because of the fact that the international fighters can't come to the United States. You're starting to see the cards a little thin now. You're seeing guys like Kevin Holland get you know a fight on 14 days notice after he last fought. Mm. All that stuff is because the cupboard is a little bare right now. And so the sooner they can get this up and running, the better they'll be off. And you're also going to see an influx of international fighters. So it'll be great for the Adesanyas. It'll be great for the Paolo Costas. It'll be great for the Connors. It'll be great for all those international fighters that right now can't fight in the United States. So I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later because of that. Speaking of our buddy Connor, um, Ali Abdelaziz has said that uh, Usman is angling for a fight with McGregor due to Masvidal uh, chasing up that rematch with Nate Diaz. Is this all um, lip service at the moment, or do you know anything about this, Ariel? So there's a really fascinating thing going on um, with the elite of 155 and 170 because, all right, it, it, and it's so crazy how many people are involved here. So you had Masvidal and Usman, right? For whatever reason, I'm told that the negotiations there aren't going swimmingly, to put it in that sort of term. Mm. Um, then all of a sudden on Saturday, you have Masvidal saying, let's run it back with Nate. Hasn't talked about Nate for months, and now all of a sudden he says, run it back. Why? Because the negotiations aren't going well. 
Maybe he gets paid more if there's a, a rematch clause. Who knows? All of a sudden, he's not talking. He just says, let's, let's run it back with Nate. All right. Then we have Ali Abdelaziz, who's Kamara Usman's manager, telling Brett Okamoto that, you know what? All right, if Masvidal's not available, we're going to fight Connor. Wait a second. You're the guys who keep saying that Connor needs to fight a gazillion times to, you know, to sniff Habib, that he doesn't deserve it, that we keep talking about it. And now Usman at 170 is going to give him a title shot? What's going on there? What, what, what's happening on your end? Okay. And if Nate and Masvidal, which Nate seems all in because he responded to Masvidal, Nate and Masvidal are tied up, then where does that even leave Connor? That's a massive question. You have the biggest draw in the history of the sport who right now doesn't have an obvious dance partner. How weird is that? What happens? Now, I wouldn't be surprised if this happened. What happens if Habib asks for a little more time? His father's not feeling well. Send my best to his family. Do they try to do Gaethje versus Connor right away? I wouldn't be surprised. And then the winner fights Habib. Big money fight for Gaethje. There's a backstory there. I wouldn't be surprised as well. So all of this is like so intertwined where we thought, sure thing, Masvidal Usman doesn't seem like a sure thing anymore. And then I wonder, hey, wait a second. Is, is the UFC trying to put together Gaethje and Connor? And is Ali trying to stop that from happening mm. because he wants it to be Gaethje versus Habib and he's trying to pair Usman up with Connor? Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, I do. There's, there's a lot of weird things going on here. Wow. Um, and I, I'm curious to see how it plays out. All very fresh, all very new. But yeah, this is fascinating stuff. Yeah, yeah, that is really interesting now that you put it like that. There is a lot going on, as you said. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I know there's different rules for McGregor, right? There always has been. Yeah, he brings in a crowd like no other. Um, but is there any way... Like, I mean, this is how I read this Jones and Ngannou situation when they completely ruled out kind of paying these guys more, as it seems to be based on their social media. Like, is there a chance that like maybe you just won't see Connor fighting until we can get crowds back in there? Because of the amount of money he brings in from Gates and stuff like that, or do you do you believe that they'd be willing to, um, you know, make sure they're paying Connor enough to to fight if he could potentially fight on this fight island or wherever it might be? So two things. I think one thing that's really interesting to monitor because, of course, we we saw it last week with John Jones and Francis Ngannou too, where the UFC we all know they're tough negotiators, mm. and we all know that you know they don't like to break the bank if they don't have to. But now they're starting to tell people like, look, we're not making any money off the gate. So if you think you're going to come in here and ask for the world, you got another thing coming because we're, quote unquote, losing money. Now, the fighters don't necessarily care about that because they don't make any money off the gate. So to them, they're like, yeah, and like, how does that affect me? But the UFC is saying like, look, we need to be a little more stringent here. So that's going to be really interesting. And that's part of the reason why the Francis versus John stuff kind of fell off like before it even got started. Now, I'm curious. I, I don't believe it's dead necessarily, but it was interesting to see it all play out that way. And so you have that situation, and then you have the Connor situation when initially I thought the same. Like, okay, you know, they can't have him fighting on an island because they're going to lose out on the gate. They they make 15 to 18 or so million dollars when he fights. Now they're just not going to get that money. That seems crazy. But I think two things happened to change the point of view on that. Number one, I think Connor was hesitant about that as well. And I think he was also honestly hesitant about the uh, testing and the procedures and the way they were going to do things. Obviously, if you look at his social media, this, this cause is something that is uh, very important to him. Mm. And I think that, and his manager, Adi, told me this as well. Adi Attar told me that once he saw how they did it in Jacksonville, he felt a lot better about it. So those, um, those reservations, I think, went away. And then he was also 
a little bit down on the idea of fighting in an empty arena uh, for multiple reasons. And I think that once he saw the fights, those reservations went away as well. And then when you see how well the pay-per-view did, according to the Sports Business Journal, did 700,000 on the ESPN Plus pay-per-view. That's an incredible number in this day and age, considering they've changed the pay-per-view model. And I think that, uh, could you imagine if if Gaethje versus Ferguson, the 700,000, which by the way, you put that fight in November of last year in normal times, it's not doing 700,000. Great fight for all of us. We loved it. Hardcores. It's not doing 700,000 because the model wouldn't suggest that. Connor, I think could do 2 million in this new era. Um, And that's just an astounding number, right? That's crazy. So you'll make money, more money off the fact that there's no people in attendance. There's no, there's no sports going on at the moment. If you can fight in July, there's probably not going to still be any major American sports going on at the moment. ESPN is going to push it. So maybe you figure, okay, I'm going to lose here, but I'm going to gain there. So I think he's back on to being a player. It's just a matter of them getting this fight island up and running. Right, right. And I mean, you're, you're mentioning it there, you know, that, you know, it's the only, only gig in town, really, the UFC at the moment. Um, I imagine that it's featuring a lot more mainstream broadcasts than ever, like news items, things like this. Um, I know it's been featured on SportsCenter quite heavily, of course, and on ESPN. Um, what, like, I mean, is this, is this like a huge moment for the UFC in terms of dragging casual eyes to the sport? Like, I couldn't believe that Donald Trump was at the start of the broadcast for 249. I thought that was crazy. I'd never seen anything like it before. Um, but it really spoke to the mainstream uh, kind of element that was there with UFC 249. Um, I know some of it's controversial. You released an article today about um, you know new safety measures being added to uh, the criteria for the UFC. But do you feel as though this is you know a, a good thing for the UFC? Like an even a, a nod to it becoming even more mainstream during this situation when it's the only sport, or is it? You know we see a lot of criticism as well. Like what way? What way does the the average American see the UFC at the moment? I think so initially when they were trying to put on the events in april at uh at tachi palace mm. i think people were like this is a little bit too you know too roguelike like it's 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 just a little crazy it was very fresh they were not doing it under the jurisdiction of the california state athletic commission it just seemed too crazy um i think i i've said this in in other interviews but there's a famous um american sports moment where a coach he's no longer with us his name uh, Dennis Green, he was the coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And on Monday Night Football, I know that none of this means anything to you, PT. But oh, man, I, just I love Monday Night Football. I love it. I breathe it. All right. Well, Tuesday morning football for you guys yes, over there. Absolutely. But, uh, he was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, and they played the Chicago Bears, and the Bears were doing great that year, and the Cardinals weren't. And he, they almost beat the Bears, but then eventually they lost the game in the final moments. And he shows up to the post-fight or the post-game press conference. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I always make that mistake when I try to talk about normal sports or the regular sports. I always sports. call it post-fight as well. Everything. Always yeah. post-fight. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Drives me nuts. So here I am trying to you know, like spread my wings a little bit, and I'm saying post-fight. Um, so he shows up, and uh, he goes, they are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were, like in, insinuating like, yeah, you guys all thought that the Bears were great, but you know, we knew that they were beatable. And so I thought of that quote when the UFC was trying to hurry back in April where you know, it wasn't being talked about. It wasn't that controversial because I felt like to the general public, the UFC was who we thought they were. It's combat sports. Combat sports is always a bit of a circus. They do things a little different. And a lot of people now are asking me like, oh, with the UFC back, you know, are there – lessons that can be applied to what the nba and major league baseball and the nhl are trying to do and the answer is no there's no 
there, there, there's no lessons because those leagues have unions. Those leagues have board of governors. They have owners. Dana White, all he needs is 24 people to show up and he can put it on an event. And that's just the structure of the sport. That's not me hating on the sport. The sports are just structured completely different. Witness the fact that that article that you talked about that I posted on Monday where you know they're outlining the new testing procedures, okay, they posted, they sent out that memo to, to fighters. That's a uh, page and a half memo. The NHL, the National Hockey League on Monday, posted a 29-page memo on how they would, if they do come back, do the testing, do the, the boarding, all that stuff. It's just to, to, totally different sports. You need to get the Players Association involved. You need to get the owners on board, all that stuff. So to, to answer your question, I know I'm going on a crazy rant here. No, but no. To answer your question. You. A lot of people, yes, have now watched and enjoyed it. And I think the fact that they did 700000 is great. But I also think that when the NA, NHL and the NBA and Major League Baseball come back, we'll kind of go back to where we were. And that's fine, too. Like The UFC was in a great spot here in America. They were on ESPN getting a lot of love and stuff like that. Now they're capitalizing off the fact that more people are at home, bored, wanting live sports, and that's great. But I don't think like we're going to see the UFC above the NBA or – you know, the NFL when they return, I, I think that that's kind of wishful thinking. Are we any closer to getting a fighters union? I, I don't seem to think we are, but I mean, you, you will know better than me. Like, I feel like this incident, no. anything, it should have shed more light on it for the fighters that they need to do this, but I don't really get that feeling from them. No, nothing. Uh, I, I've seen, I've seen nothing of that sort. Um, if you can make the case, if there ever was a time, it would be now. Right. Mm. But I haven't heard any talk of that. The, the last time there was any sort of, serious talk was 2016 around the time of connor nate two you recall there were a couple of organizations trying to make some noise but uh, i've heard nothing remotely close to that happening so yeah i'm looking for a bit of encouragement off you now now people won't know but i always call ariel for encouragement and he always dishes it out but it's time you you guys heard what a motivational character he can be. Ariel, you, you've been down in your look a few times in this industry, and as now uh, me and Niall walk into the unknown, is there anything you could share with us to give us a bit of a, an oomph as we head into the, the free agency market, we'll say? Yes, and yes, I, I have been down many times, probably too many times at this point, but there's a few things that are important to remember. Number one, one thing that I've always felt, and, and look, I, I get down... I have uh, tough moments, moments where you feel sad, moments where you feel like you know everyone's against you. But it's very important to not feel sorry for yourself. It's very important to not lick your wounds. It's very important to not say the world dealt me a bad hand and now I'm screwed and I'll never get back and I'll never get back on my feet. That's the wrong approach. It's the wrong mindset. To me, the mindset should always be, all right, this happened. What am I going to do? to get back on track. What do I have to do? All right, it was a great run, great memories, great times, great friends, great colleagues. Unfortunately, it's come to an end. How am I going to do things better now? How am I going to evolve? What am I going to do now that, you know, I've I've pressed the reset button differently? How am I going to change? What can I do better? What can I do to improve? All that stuff and more. And so, if you think that the road to success is just, you know, clear skies, paved road, perfect, smooth sailing, you are sorely mistaken, and I know you don't believe that. The road to success is – well, and look where he is. You know, know, He's not I even know. a part of this conversation, <laughs> for God's sakes. Your back is probably so tired carrying that guy after I mean, all these episodes. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. Yeah, well, I've said it. And so the road to success is always under construction. And once we 
acknowledge that and we acknowledge that times change people you know go different paths but you know what you got to keep going you work hard what's that famous line uh you know tough times don't last but tough people do Uh. that's you guys right that's you guys and so i hope that you're not feeling sorry for yourself i hope you're not feeling down i hope you're grateful for the time i remember when you joined mma fighting i was so excited i was so happy that I was going to get to work with you and you've done phenomenal work. And this podcast in particular, I don't listen to any other MMA podcast. I only listen to one. I only listen to Eurobash, and that is the God's honest truth. I'll show you my, my uh, podcast player. Um, it's the only one that I listen to because you guys have great chemistry and you have something going. And I told you this mm-hmm. privately and I'll say it publicly. I say less guests, more banter. I want the banter. I want the news at the top. I want the, the, the back and forth. I want all that stuff. And then maybe one or two guests here or there, it's great. But what you guys have been able to do is become the voice of European MMA. You've been able to break the stories. People trust you. They come to you. They want to talk to you. They want to, to, to get in your good graces. They listen to you because they react to the things that you're saying. And it's hard to do that in this day and age. And so I commend you guys for having a great run. But the run isn't over. And if you think the run is over, you got another thing coming. If you think that you're just going to leave us all now, then you're wrong. You're not going to leave us all now. And dare I say... You should just be the bash. You don't have to be Euro bash. Why should you just confine yourself to Euro? Why? I don't. I don't. I, I want to know what you think about Henry Cejudo. He's not European. Can you talk about him too? I want to know what you think about. Uh, I don't know. Well, I was going to say Bones versus Ngannou, but Ngannou is technically European now. We take he's, him. Yeah, you know, he's one of ours. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you get the point, right? Yeah, um, I get it. You, it's been a great run, and I, and I hope you know it, it's it's unfortunate. I know because of COVID nineteen things happen, but it's important to leave on a good note. To be thankful, it was a great run. I worked for Vox for nine years. Try to leave on the best note possible and not burn bridges. Everyone shake hands. It's been a great run. And we don't know what the future holds. Maybe we'll be back. Maybe we won't. But you try not to leave with any grudges or any you know, ill intent in your heart because I think that that weighs you down. I absolutely agree with you. And it was a great time. We had some brilliant, brilliant times here. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And I want to thank you very much, uh, Ariel, because uh, I owe a lot to you for even getting me into this publication and for encouraging me to do this uh, podcast, which has been a big hit with the old Europeans. I think they're going to be a bit annoyed with you trying to get us off the European angle, though, to be honest. But we'll have to wait and see. Well, Uh, that was a compliment. I'm just saying that you guys... (laughs) Listen, I like the fact this is the beauty of podcast. You said what you said. You You said what you said, Ariel. You said what you said. Listen, you can get as niche as possible in the podcast world, right? And that's the beauty of it. That's why podcasts are doing so well now. All I'm saying is I hope you guys don't think that you can't flex your muscles. You can't spread your wings, that sort of thing, because you're very good at what you do. And I think that not only are you guys great podcasters, hosts, uh, presenters, as they say in Europe, and uh, writers as well. You're just great personalities. And that's, at the end of the day, what people want. They want personalities. They want. I enjoy the podcast very much. I enjoy what you guys do. And I've also been pushing you, as you know, to do video. I don't know why you're so reluctant on that front. But we can discuss again. that at a... That's McGrath's yeah. fault again. Sorry, man. Like, I okay. mean, it is his fault. It's completely his fault. Um, but Ariel, I love you very much, my friend. Um, I can't tell you what this means uh, to us to have you on the show. Uh, I'll continue to be a huge fan and, of course, a great friend of yours. And I hope you continue in this beautiful vein of success you're having, my friend, because you're killing it at the moment. 
um, with the boxing as well. Helwani boxing. When's the first event? Oh, I mean, don't get me started. Helwani boxing. I mean, look, Fight Island might be real, but Helwani boxing way more real than Zufa boxing. Am I right? Absolutely. Am I right, Pete? Absolutely. Man. Am I right? I, I still haven't All got. Right. My, I've got my thing in the post. Actually, my my boxing thing. It only arrived. I heard about two months ago, but um, I'm gonna have a lot of time to uh, hone my skills <laughs> in the next few weeks. So so watch out for that video when it comes. Wait, are you saying you still haven't gotten your your gear? Is that what you're saying? Your shirt? I've got my I've got my shirt and I've got my oh. gear, but I haven't cut the thing yet. I only got that the other day. I haven't cut the thing that has to go on the headband. But uh, you you better get ready for some videos. My Wait friend. a second, you got the shirt and you haven't shown me a picture. You I got that today. I got it today. The shirt. Wow. And I got the thing on Saturday. So Look there how you the go. stars are aligning for us here, huh? Amazing. Isn't that amazing? You get it today. I'm finally, like, you throw in the towel on the last episode. You see, <laughs> who can I get who's available? Has nothing else to do now that his show is like an hour and a half. Let's get old Helwani back and uh, let's have him save the day. But that's okay. I'm happy to save the day. It's been great. And yesterday, by the way, I said, I, I, I used the term good crack and I said that you gave me permission. Oh, you absolutely. didn't even come to my defense. Absolutely. You didn't come to my defense. I, I, I absolutely. You, you're an honorary Irish man, Ariel Awani. I've said this you for didn't many come years. To my defense. Do you want me to, to come to your defense? You need me to say this is okay. This is Irish approved. Yes, I will do that. Yes, I'm about to do that right now. I need now. a fellow Irishman to do that. You've had such a great run, my friend. I'm very proud of you. I remember when you were just a little peon guy staying at the Hooters Hotel in Las Vegas. <laughs> no direction. <laughs> no motivation. Just eating chicken wings all day. What's God knows what wings? you were doing over there. I mean, it was it was a little bit gross. And now you've turned into an actual beast. You've turned into a beast. You've turned into a powerhouse. And better days are coming. It's been a great run. Much love to everyone. I think this is my first time back on MMA fighting since I left. This is kind of a historic moment right here. But anyways, <laughs> it's not about me. It's about you. All right? So much love. You guys are going to kill it. And I'm honored to be on. I don't even know if we're wrapping the the thing. I just kind of felt like it was a good no, thing to it's say a, at this it's point. A, it's a natural. It's a natural time to wrap it. We love you, Ariel. You're the man. Uh, I can't wait to speak to you again. And I'll be tuning in as always, my friend. I love you to bits. I love you to bits as well. So <laughs> to many, many bits. Talk to you soon, man. All the best. Cheers. The great Ariel Hawani popping by the bash for its last ever episode. Absolutely fabulous. And um, what a man. What a man. Um, great to speak to him and pick his brain on all of these uh, topics, this madness that we currently have in the sport. So um, really, really grateful for his time. Um, and I spoke to him about that there, uh, Noel, the, the Conor McGregor v. Usman shout from Ali Abdelaziz. Is this just lip service from Ali Abdelaziz, or do you believe that this is a fight that could potentially happen? I've said it for quite a while. Um, I think this could be the route McGregor's going to go. Um, and the reason why I've sort of said that over the last number of months is Connor's all about records. And I think we even heard that in Donald Cerrone fight. You know, he was the, the first one, I think, to, to finish Donald, whatever, with a, with a head kick or most head, whatever the, the stat was. What was the stat again, the Connor? Uh, he got some stat. I know, anyway. it was a pretty pretty weird one. Yeah, yeah. it was a weird stat, but... <laughs> Things like that. that that's what interests Connor. He's, he's interested in stats, records, all this sort of um, malarkey. And I think if you look at what he wants to do, and that is claim a third title in a third weight division. And yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And I think you have to take into consideration as well. Have you seen McGregor lately? Jesus, man. He's, he looks like he's put a lot of muscle on. And that could be very much to think, in, in my opinion, that he is going to go to 170 and, and stay there. Obviously, his last fight was at that weight class as well. So maybe it is a warm-up for a summer date. And I think, you know, by doing that, he puts himself 
in the conversation to be the GOAT as he's been talking about his rankings over the weekend on social media as well. So it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I don't know if Ali is playing a game. We know what Ali's like. He likes to tease fighters. He likes to tease ideas and, and then not follow up on them a lot of the time. So, yeah, Ali has a lot of power in the UFC and a lot of his fighters are champions at the moment. So it could go either way. But, yeah, I would not be surprised the way Conor McGregor looks at the moment, the way he thinks, the way I think he thinks in terms of um, winning championships and accolades, it, it would be a tall process that I'm sure Connor's looking at that 170 pound strap. And in fairness, he's he's always sort of said that that he wants three world titles in different divisions. That's yours truly back in the old yeah. severe MMA days, I believe. Um, he uh, he put out his list of goats there the other day. Um, I'm gonna give you a quick breakdown. Number one was Anderson Silva, uh, due to him. Um, he said, sorry, number one is Adrian Silva. Number two is Connor himself, if not tied one, he says. Uh, GSP in at three. Um, Jones is four, maybe tied third. And um, does he does he give us a number five? Is it is it DC or DJ? I, I, he doesn't. Does he mention it? He doesn't. He doesn't even give us a, a, a number five. Um, but what do you think of that? Um, you know, in terms of a, who is your MMA goat? Oh, God. It, it, it's easy like it's gsp every time like i, yeah, I don't yeah. understand yeah it is gsp i think you have to go with gsp because of the lack of taintingness <laughs> 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 like that, that's that's the bottom line i think you have to go down that, that top um at the moment yeah i can't argue with that you know he came back he, he beat base ping won the 185 pound title left the sport again he, he's done things the right way um and, and i just don't see how you can give it to anderson silva in my opinion um, after what happened towards the sort of last number of years in his career. And then you've John Jones as well with the numerous issues he's had. Um, geez, I don't even know where you start with the issues that yeah, guy's had. I don't had. even know how many times that's happened to him, to be <laughs> Exactly. So alone on that, out of those guys you have there, there's, there's only GSP. Um, the guy's a total legend in the sport. And in terms of pound for pound now at the moment, I'd have to give it to Mr. Miocic. Because of what he's done in the heavyweight division, most amount of defenses, um, you know, really good Henry streaks. Fudo, I'd say number one. Yeah, that's that's not a bad shout either. Yeah, yeah, you know, you can't you can't discard Henry, even though he relinquished his belt earlier today. Um, officially, relinquished. Or whatever, well, it, it was officially vacated today by the UFC. So, um, yeah, it, yeah. Listen, steep at the moment, but yeah, I can't can't argue with GSP. Definitely not. I saw someone speaking about this on Twitter earlier, and forgive me because I I, I forget who it was, but. You know, they were kind of saying it's a bad look to uh, vacate Cejudo's title simply because he wants more money, essentially. Like, he said, like, yeah, I have a number here. Um, I'm retired, yeah. but I have a number here if you want me to come back. And yoink, there goes the title. I mean, is, is that a bad move from the UFC to, to drop a guy for essentially wanting more money? Well, no, listen, I, I think maybe those words were taken out of context a little bit. I know he said that, but he also said, you know, he's other things to focus on his life. You know, he wants to get away from the sport do other things he's a lot of the projects see you know you can you can look at that as well and you know that wasn't brought up in the, in the tweet you're you've mentioned so no I, I, but it was also last week Ali Abdelaziz saying be back in July so I mean that's a bit that is true but we know again what you know what Ali uh you just never know what that guy's uh got in his mind but yeah um interesting all the same and I do think I agree what you said a couple of weeks ago Pete and, and refresh the people um you know I think we'll get to a point in this division where we have 
you know, maybe Peter Yan as champion in a, in a year and a half's time and, and Henry Cejudo comes back in international fight week for the right price and they'll get him back because the guy's retired bloody, you know, unbeaten at the top of his game. And, you know, I would love to see him just go out and, and see you later. And I know, you know, we often say that guys don't go out, you know, on top. This is a perfect example where he could do that, like GSP, for example, another reason why he's the GOAT. And if Henry was to do that and stay gone, um, it would be a wonderful story. But I agree with you. I think he's just... Uh, going to sit this out, do a few little things that he has lined up for the next year, and then potentially come back, get a big payday against someone like the, you know, the, the aforementioned um, Peter Jan, if if he is the champion. But you know, it is interesting. I think it opens a lot of doors for the division now. Great division, and I'd love to see them do that four man tournament that he actually yeah. mentioned even himself um, post fight after that win against Dominic Cruz. I think it's a fantastic idea. My money's only on one man if they do that four man tournament. Yeah, I agree. Piotr Jan, right? I, I feel like it's his yeah. time right now. Yeah, listen, I don't think you can look past Piotr at the moment from what we've seen. He absolutely, you know, um, went through Uriah Faber with a, a fine-tooth comb and, and literally picked the moment where he wanted to finish the fight. Uh, we heard what he said to him. It was it was scary. And when you're going to do that to the likes of a legend like Uriah Faber, um, you know, the sky is the limit for Piotr Jan, in my opinion. And again, I think the UFC are... You know, maybe realise that as well, but I think they want them to learn the language. That's been a big sort of issue over the last number of years of the UFC. They want the champions speak in English. They want to be able to market them uh, as much as they possibly can to a US market and audience. Yeah, I mean, I like. I think Murray is an incredibly tough fight for him, but I do like his chances there. But Sandhagen, his movement is so yeah, unique. He's good. I think that's a that's a very tough fight, and I think but I think Aljo probably is the hardest mm. matchup there because of how good his wrestling has been and how much he's evolved since that lo- uh, loss to Moraes, um that knee from hell back in the day. I mean, do you? I I, I think that's the matchup. If I was gonna pick two people to fight for the belt right now, it's been Vikey. I'd go Sterling, Jan. I think most people would, but do, do you think Sterling probably is the <laughs> toughest test for the Siberian gangster at the moment? Yeah, but but I wouldn't. Yeah, I agree with you with his wrestling and his all round game. He's come on so much, and you know he did. He went through a bit of a sticky patch, and he's learned a lot since then. He's he's really bounced back in impressive form. But again, Marais is a guy in there who's absolute power in those hands, and he can cause anyone problems on a, on a night. And you, you never know. But yeah, I do. I like that fight, and I think um, you know Peter Yan's going to give anyone problems. And I do agree with you. I think Aljamain is probably the other front runner in there with his all round game. Um, that he could make a push. And listen, let's not forget about Dominic Cruz either. Um, you know, a guy who's, who's still a legend in the sport. He obviously suffered that loss to Henry, but uh, I'm sure he'll be wanting to get back in there soon. You know, obviously those injuries have hampered him over the last number of years, but if if he can stay fit and get back in there as well, he'll be knocking on the door in a year if he's continue uh, on fighting as well with those guys. Imagine like Peter Yan and Dom Cruz, man. Like what a fight that'll be. Savage. Yeah, you know, Savage. And he needs those names, I feel like, to really get him over. If it is yeah. this language thing, um, I think... They would be keen if if he was the champion to put him in against the likes of Aldo, even though there'd be not much English quotes getting pushed out. Yeah, I think you know, matchup. you know, I think you destroy him. Um, and yeah, it is. It's about those names. It's about building the profile. It's about for the UFC, as we well know, it's about money. It's about pay per view sales, and and they're the guys that do it for you. And uh, yeah, I I do think that is you know I, I can't see the UFC doing a four man tournament. I I'd love to see it, but I can't see it happening. Um. And I wouldn't be surprised if they got in that sort of route of, of, of popping them up against these big contenders to give them that final sort of push over the line. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. I'd love to see a tournament, but ugh, you know the UFC, they always piss us off. 
Um, speaking about pushing us over the line, uh, we couldn't do this last show without getting the great Neil Sirion to give us a piece of his mind. Um, what a legend. Uh, we had hoped that he would be a, a co-host of this show. Um, and he did start off that way. Unfortunately, the budget wasn't released. There was, there was, it kept on getting pushed back, so we, we couldn't make it happen in the end. But uh, very glad that he got on the phone and speak to us and, and sign us off and give us a bit of shit because we always love a bit of that from Neil. Um, of course, very upset that Liverpool still aren't champions. I made sure Woo-hoo! I asked him about that just to ruin his day. Um, but yeah, here's Neil. We talked to him for about 15 minutes. Um, the line isn't great, but it's still the GOAT, Neil Siri back in 15 minutes and by popular demand he is back one time co-host of this podcast the legendary neil siri neil long time people have been asking asking for you back um how are you getting on i'm sure it has been music to your ears to hear that me and noel got the bullet <laughs> he's got the bullet because he's a fucking sweet job <laughs> he's doing fuck all bad bollocks for the show went downhill Everybody knew that. It, we were yeah. inundated for many months. Every time we posted an episode, where is Siri? It was it yeah. was <laughs> it was so, it was so destroying for staying up all day. And then as soon as we posted, we like, where the fuck is Siri? But you were magic. I told you that myself. Um, we yeah. were we were trying to get. We put, uh, we put the blueprint out there and used to fucking leading step of it to fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. Too much room for activities. <laughs> It's it's a harsh reality, but it's it's the truth what you're saying. Um <laughs> how how was uh how was retirement? Like I mean the forty you've got from retirement, how is it going? Do you miss the game at all? Uh the fighting aspect, Neil, or has this whole situation um kind of brought you away from the game a bit? I, I was all often wondering will all this uh, behind closed doors, fights were going on, stuff like that. How you felt about it? What What did you think? Behind the closed doors, fights and stuff. Yeah, like I oh, mean, the, the Ferguson and Gaethje and all that stuff. Like, I mean, the, are you still watching? Are you still uh, an avid fan? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Still, still go up on early mornings and and watch the fights going on, whether it's behind closed doors or whatever. You know, it's just no, oh, it's still interesting. No, still interesting. As the retirement came, like, I've no interest whatsoever in fucking ever fighting again. Is that what you're asking? But interested in the sport in general, yeah, still, still, still a big fan of it, you know? So, um, general, the fights, the fights have been really good lately. I've been, I've been interested in it with the, with the no crowd in it. You can hear the punches actually taking, taking heed of the damage we fighters took, you know, a lot of a lot of the time the crowd would have drowned it out there, mm. the shots and stuff. And now that there's no crowd, there. just got basically microphones and pe- two people going at it. You know, a lot of people taking heeds, and as you can see, a lot of people are saying these fighters should have been paid more from the start. You know, so maybe maybe it's a good thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're dead right about the sound. It's it's crazy hearing some of them shots land, uh, especially the Gaethje Ferguson fight. Jesus Christ, it was it was nasty stuff. It, like, I mean, you used to always tell me about the crowd and, and what you got from them. Do you think that would be a weird dynamic? Would you would you think you'd enjoy that the kind of the kind of almost sparring session kind of backdrop these kind of fights have? Yeah, I don't know what. Look, it's it's hard because look, 
most of the times, one of the Dublin, I was always down hard. So there wasn't many people. There, you know? So when I saw fucking Louis Smoke in Vegas, you know what I mean? It was about 20,000 people there. If there was, if there was even, if there was even 3,000 in the crowd, it would be surprised, you know? Mm. So that was like, really nothing to me other than the like the Dublin shows and obviously Glyde Glasgow on me last week that would have been I mean, you can feed off stuff like that but I just see um, look at the shots that people just just no one we just I just think it, it's good that people are taking an interest in in the damage that people are taking <laughs> You know, interest in the damage. I mean, Jesus Christ! I, I'd be sitting there going, like, I was rewinding some of the shots that landed. Like, do, you, do you, are you saying that, like, you think it might bring people more aware of the toll that the fighters kind of take on their bodies, like, and that, that's why maybe they should get more money? Yeah, like that's that's one of the, the aspects. And then you've got when when some people have got down, some people think that they've gone down easy. Mm. You know, they've gone down. Uh, they were looking for a way out. Just that, you know. Now that they're hearing the shots that fighters are actually taking, you know, without the crowd drowning, without crowd drowning, you know, they're actually standing up and going, oh, Jesus, hold on here a minute. Like, if you look at that cagey, that cagey fight, that was, that was just incredible, the amount of damage that Tony Ferguson took. I was very, very surprised that it's gone. I didn't pull him out. And then, on the other hand, I was listening to Eddie Bravo on, on the podcast with Joe Rogan. I saw and, that, yeah what he was talking about actually just being sent in blindfolded and going, Hold on a minute, what am I gonna say here to the fire? It, it was just, it was mind blowing to think that at such a high level like that that stuff was that was still happening, you know. Mm. I'm sure as as Eddie came out himself and he says, Look, he's a jiu jitsu coach, he's been there from the start, he's just there for a bit of voice, but to be thrown in at the deep end there and when a fighter is taking so much damage like that, I don't know how, how Tony Ferguson must be standing off. It's incredible. It really is. Now, you're dead right. Um, did you see the Anthony Smith fight? That was that was a different kind of uh, situation. Like, I mean, I felt like watching it, I was like, these two lads are done. Like, I mean, I think most people, like, I mean, sorry, Smith's clearly done here. The fight isn't going to change. I don't think there's going to be a, a big surge from this guy in the last round. And it seemed like he was nearly appealing to the referee by handing him his teeth and then going back to his corner and saying, lads, me, me teeth are after falling out that he didn't want to be in there. Obviously, I'm not Anthony Smith, but were you kind of watching it yeah. like that? Like, why isn't someone... Kind yeah, of... yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking at it, like, there's a, there's a good thing about the no crowd because obviously people can hear the shots that fighters are taking. And then the bad thing is, look, they're hearing what, what's going on in the fight, what's going on in people's corners. I know a lot of people are moved, but even the crowd... Uh, the crowd sometimes block out what, what fighters are being told in the corners, but obviously because there's no crowd there, and see, I listen to some of the corner men, it's in that fight, it's just, it, it, it's hard, it's a hard listen, you know, when somebody's handing that teeth to the ref, he's putting it in his pocket. <laughs> it was mental, <laughs> he, wasn't it? I've never seen anything like him in life. Yeah, he's fucking teeth are falling out, you know, hold on here, you know, I know it's a big, big, I get that, but you know, for your safety, and I'll tell you, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I think I think somebody should have should have made a call there on, on both fights, you know, even on Tony Ferguson and on, on, on Smith, you know. But look, that's that's the end of the game, you know. 
would, would that change? Like, I mean, you're in a lot of corners over the years. Like, when you see something like that, do you ever kind of think, Jesus, like, um, if I ever see a situation like that, I won't hesitate with it with the towel, etc., and things like that. Does does a fight like that ever change how you do your job in a corner or anything like that? Um, on, on, on occasions I've I've pulled for it, so, you know, that I thought, look, here did you have nothing left here coming back into the corner and well, look, I've done that and I think I've done that on a couple of the battle zones and stuff like that and fighters were coming back in and broke up and I just didn't send them out for the two rounds, you know, it's just say, look, you're done, ref, it's over, you know. But like we haven't had many of them throughout the years where you'd say, uh, hold on here a minute. You know, if, what we do, we get them back out, just that injury, you know. So, look, I've been lucky enough to pull a couple of people out and say, yeah, look, yeah. Even, even up the gym, you know. Even up the gym, me and Andy, I can say, yeah, hold on, taking a bit of a smack there and fighters don't want to come out. Mm. Just pull them out and say, yeah, look, we'll be even back in a day or two, you know. And just let that come down and blah, blah, you know. But, uh, just let that fights like that and letting them go on and all when especially when the decision isn't gonna change, you know, just you know, I think Tony Ferguson and Andy Smith there could have fought for ten rounds and this decision still wouldn't have been yeah. wouldn't have changed. So, you know, it was just it was one way traffic, you know. But look, I suppose big fights, big fights, big money, you know? Yeah. Like it just feels like, you know, the fighters by nature just are so tough like they're never going to sit down in a corner and say here lads I'm done there's no way I'm going back in there like is that way like in the way you're kind of telling me you've done it where you just look at the ref and say no it's over like you're taking that decision nearly away from him and saying look I'm going to be the responsible one here I'm saving you from yourself do you, do you think that's yeah. the way more coaches need to be oh yeah like some winner mm, absolutely. winner as he said winner if the fight's already if the fight's already done you know I saved him for a different day. Look, you're looking at Andy Smith now to go there. Keep the place. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. And the rest. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's Peter, and you know what other damage should be taken. Even the Tony Ferguson, I know he was up dancing in the in the hospital and stuff like that. He's got he's got he's got months ahead of him that we have there before he can get back in. Well, he's probably back trying to know the you know, he's probably like fucking Punching coconuts or whatever the fuck he's doing. Heads over a load of coconuts. But, you know, it, it takes its toll, you know. Yeah, absolutely. How about the coaching for you, Neil? Um, are you kind of, like, I know you were helping Red a bit there before the last fight, and I know you're doing a lot in the gym. I know, obviously, the gym's closed now at the moment, but, I mean, is, is that something you're looking forward to now when the Rhino starts opening again? You're going to be down there coaching the lads again? yeah. Yeah, the only
late next year, early next year, who 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 you know, put the numbers up in the end. They're starting to get in a build in the gig at the minute, you know, so well, looking for Joe's back up home other than obviously the UFC. It's it's hard, you know. Yeah, like and that that was it for me. Like I mean I felt for the first time Irish MMA was going in a great direction since that glory years, basically, with you guys uh, in the UFC. Like, I felt like Reese McKee was knocking on the door. If he had had that Belfast fight, he might have got the call up. And then, as you said, James Sheehan there, lots of young guns signed to Cage Warriors. As we know, Cage Warriors is the path there to the UFC. It just felt very exciting. And, of course, there was a lot going on with Bellator there as well. So many Irish fighters signed to that. And now it's all gone. You know, it, it feels like we were just on the verge of something big happening again. Did you get that impression? I know it's very unlikely that we'll ever have a golden era like like you were involved in uh, on Connor's ascent and all all these ascending at the same time. But it did feel like we're we're on the verge of something big happening there. Did you get that sense? Yeah, well, look if you look at the the, the, the fights that have been signed, the quality of the fights that was been matched, you know, and the performances that you were, that the fighters were bringing, you know. We were getting no. See, yeah, look, he said the UFC was coming back to Dublin for a reason because we were making waves again. You know, mm. that was that was the reason they were coming. They weren't coming back because this uh, whole lot of the Irish guys were great. They come back because we were making waves again in, in the European market. You know, that got good fighters there. And look, it's probably a lost opportunity of a couple of fighters that maybe could have been signed for the UFC. I don't know. You know, but to get things up and running again. It's you just don't see the end of it. You don't see where it's going to kick off again. You know, it's it's yeah, we thought uh, along with the head of, along with all business. Uh, you know. I gotta ask you before um, before we end this, Neil, about Liverpool. Obviously, you know, you thought you were going to have your hands on the league, and <laughs> it's, it's been taken. Already. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on there? Well, I mean, it was done. It was done and done. What is happening there? Have they decided what's going on? Like, I mean, it, it's it, it feels torturous for Liverpool fans after waiting so long. You've played this magic season all year, absolutely unbelievable football. It, you know, you've and, all but your name on the trophy, and then this happens. Have they have they made up their minds? Two, two matches, two matches from taking the Hooker League, and everything falls apart. We actually believe that the Crown of Wales started trying to stop Chris Fields fighting again. You know. <laughs> It was the fact that making the show, so, you know, not that he could fight any, like, back in the day, he could fight any, you know what I mean? He was obviously, but look, coming out and having fought so many years, fucking we had decided to release a virus to get some fucking down into the cage again, you know? But, look. <laughs> you heard it here first. Coronavirus <laughs> created to keep Chris Fields out of the cage. Look at the show himself. Oh my God, he's going to be very upset with this. And he's out there just saying nice things about us on his podcast with Paul Redmond as well. What do you think of that match up there? Reds are in Chris uh, with, the, with the sun, I believe it is. The it? Reds are in Chris have uh, launched a podcast with Simon McGuire, I believe, with the, with the sun. And he was singing our praises last week. And now he's going to listen to this. And Neil Siri's giving him dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they should have tied me off to say for God, you know what I mean? <laughs> came to the service and told me, yeah, look, pay him off, I won't open my mouth about him, but look, 
They should have. Uh, just posting Chris Balls, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You always, always get a few in there on each other. But, um, yeah, Siri, I'm so glad you came on to speak to us again, mate. Um, and maybe... Yeah, so that's, that's what you've got, isn't it? Yeah, we're done. <laughs> Throwing out, like, yesterday's newspapers. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all over. It's all over. Any jobs going in your place now? I really wouldn't fucking employ you. Are you kidding me? I work hard. I'm not like Noel McGrath. I'm the hard worker. You wouldn't. I just never tried to walk into the yard. Will you fuck off? I will indeed, Neil. You're a legend. Um, we loved having you on. It was great to have you back again. Um, the fans, the fans of the podcast would not have forgiven me if we didn't have you on. So, uh, thanks so much, my friend. And hopefully, when this shit ends, I can go up to uh, the Shilling or somewhere around Fingless and meet you for a point. I'll pay. Oh, no, you what's your price? That's pretty much. I'll talk to you soon, sir. You're a legend. All the best. And there it is, the last guest of our MMA fighting tenure, uh, Neil Syria. I wouldn't have it any other way. What a man. What a legend. Um, a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, as expected, you got a bit of shit there, Noel. Uh, sure, listen, what's, what's fucking new with that rat? Um, <laughs> listen, he supports Harsh. Liverpool. Um pff. Siri, like he is, he's got him. Like he is what he is. You know what I mean? Don't win, McGrath. I love you. You know I love you all the time. Uh, we better not, actually. He's not. The I know. Worst. I know. It's we're the last segment ever here, but we probably should have a look at the the card, right? That this weekend. Otherwise, what the hell are we even doing, my friend? Um, anything that's jumping out to you there, uh, no. Noel McGrath? No. <laughs> I'm gonna mess now. There's a fight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, you, you, listen. You got. I do, listen. It's not the strongest card in the world. I think we can both agree on that. Um, couple of scraps there that, that are obviously pretty interesting. I think the main events. You know, Gilbert Burns has really sort of turned the table and got a bit of consistency together since moving to one seventy. Looks really, really impressive. Woodley hasn't been in there in a while. Really interesting main event for me. Um, there. Uh, you know, you have obviously Antonina Shevchenko against Caitlin Chikagin, a really good. Um, women's match you've Mackenzie Dern Anna Cyphers as well decent scrap Kevin Holland back in there after two weeks really impressed with uh, Kevin Holland and yeah, he's probably fought about 15 times since being in contender series a couple of years back uh, super impressive and then um, we've a couple other bouts on the on the card there further down um, you know like Lewis Smolka and Casey Kenny that's a decent one you know Tim Elliott against the hot, very highly touted uh, Brandon Royval um, so that's an interesting one there as well. It, you know, it's a decent card, and they're putting on cards. We we can't complain too much um, from what cards they're putting on at the moment because obviously there's not a lot of fighters available, especially the European contingent. So fair play to them again for for going after, and fair play to all the fighters for stepping up. But uh, yeah, listen, it's not the strongest card in the world, but there is some really interesting um, dynamics in there to for us to to get some you know finishes and, and exciting matches. As you've said there, Team Europe is made up of Blagoy Ivanov <laughs> against Augusto Sakai and uh, Antonina Shevchenko against Caitlin Chukagin. I'm not fancying a big night of success for Europe, even though like I think Blagoy might pull it off. I think it might be a bit of a difficult one for uh, Antonina Shevchenko. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I think Caitlin's boxing is, is really crisp and good, clean. Um, you know, loves to go in there through a few combos, real Mark Henry style, and get out of there, use her feet. She's very, very quick. And, you know, obviously coming off that win against Lucy Pudilova, uh the, the, the Roxanne Mataferi fight didn't go Antonina's way. It was a performance I think we were expecting more at the time. 
and she just didn't deliver and I think that's going to be a problem and I, I feel sorry for her in a way because she is constantly in her sister's um, shadow and it, you know it must be very very tough for her to sort of get past that and it hasn't happened so far she has not impressed me um, particularly in any of her performances in, in the octagon and uh, there's a lot of pressure on her I, I, I do feel like Caitlin's been there she's fought for the title um, you know people know what you're getting when you get Caitlin Chukagian in there but Antonina needs to, to really sort of pull it out of the bag on this occasion. I, I don't like it for her. I just don't like this fight. In a way, right, I'm kind of thinking about it and saying, like, you know, her loss was uh, Mata Ferry grounded her quite easily, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, you know and, and won the fight from there. But Chukagin isn't really known for uh, grappling as much, you know, for her footwork and being evasive. Like, in a way... Is she playing into Antonina Shevchenko's kind of wheelhouse by standing and striking with her? Something that I guess people have been reluctant to do in some ways. Yeah, but we haven't seen it. That's the problem, you know. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen that in stunning yet. Yeah, to be fair. So when we're not seeing us, um, you know, she's she's been in there with obviously her sister who who pretty much had her up with elbows in that fight, Caitlin. She would have learned to laugh from that. And it's not even that long ago. When was that fight? UFC 247 back in, in February. So fair play to Caitlin for getting back in there so quick again. Wants to eradicate that title loss. And um, yeah, I, I, I do. I think Caitlin will have learned to laugh from that. And she is real quick, man. She's real hard to get after. We've seen that numerous occasions. Um, opponents have really found it hard to keep up her, her pace and her volume and I think that could be the undoing of uh, Antonina Shevchenko in this fight but but I, I am I'm expecting something from, from Antonina but whether we'll get it or not I'm too sh- I'm not too sure I think her, her confidence might have taken a pounding in her UFC tenure so far yeah no it's all good points my friend um, yeah so I guess we'll uh, finish off by discussing what's next we don't have any concrete plans at the moment uh free agency is what beckons uh this time next week i'll probably already be sauce in the garden let's be honest but um you've been an amazing audience for us uh a fantastic community as i have said many many times uh we didn't expect to build something this big and have such a great following for the podcast and it's been a real dream of mine to work with MMA Fight and um, three years, three great years with them. So I'd like to thank Brian Tucker for the opportunity. Um, and it, it was just a pleasure working with such brilliant, brilliant people. Um, people who were there at the start and, and, and the people who are there now, absolutely brilliant. Uh, I've enjoyed every second of it. And uh, going away to the events uh, around the world, absolutely amazing. But uh, most of all, of course, it's been growing this bad boy, the Eurobash. Uh, Noel, I'm sure... You're going to wax lyrical about your great times with the bash here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's been fun. Um, we've obviously been partners on podcasting. I'm not crying, by the way. I'm just... <laughs> he is, yeah. No, no, he's getting very emotional. Jesus. No, it um, it's, yeah, it's, listen, we've, we've been partners for, for quite some time over the last number of years, and, and this one's been a fun one. It's It's been... Um, how long have we been doing this? I don't even know. Two years, two and a half years. Since August 2018, so about a, a year and a half, or a few, I don't know, whatever yeah. it is. It's been been a fun ride. Um, and yeah, listen, you know, we'll move on. I'm I'm sure we'll we'll keep the guys with some announcements in the next couple of weeks. And we're I know we're going to sit down this week and have a long discussion about what's next. And um, I'm sure we can we can work out something. We have but, lots of ideas. I'll tell you is that much. We have uh, we have lots of ideas. We're talking to lots of people as well, but it's just the situation that we're in at the moment, the whole global recession situation. Yeah. <laughs> makes it very difficult to get the ball rolling on these situations. But um there's definitely a lot of interest out there and you know, I, I think it goes without saying, Noel, that we are gonna be doing a podcast one way or the other. Is that is that safe to say? No. <laughs> no. 
nah, nah. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta chat this. You know, we we, we gotta sit down and have a have a discussion. We'll we'll, we'll let the guys know um, in due time, whenever we're ready to to release. But yeah, yeah, maybe. But maybe, don't maybe, be maybe, casuals maybe, about it now. Maybe, I mean, maybe, we're gonna be changing. We're gonna be changing maybe. our feeds and stuff. So we don't want any casuals not. Cha- oh, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> You're gonna fucking know. We're gonna tweet it. I don't want to. No, I don't even want the prompts. <laughs> Gonna, we're gonna have to start if, if if we're going if we're going out by ourselves here. We're gonna you're gonna have to expect a lot more likes and subscribe kind of shit on the show because we're gonna have to generate that ourselves. Yeah, if that's the way it goes, we still don't know. It's, yeah, but um, like you know, I think if you're putting something together, it is it's costly process. People don't tend to understand that you know all the gear, all the equipment, all the streaming, hosting applications. It, you know, it is it's a big commitment. It's a, a good whack a wedge. So yeah, you know the only way people survive in this industry and this game is is from um subscriptions and you know liking things and, and subscribing and, and downloading that's what the game's about so yeah you motherfuckers you better fucking uh like subscribe share click that fucking bell button all our bollocks uh or i'll come after you all <laughs> and yeah, and make sure you tell everyone how much you're gonna miss us don't don't forget that we uh, we all need a, a great outpouring of emotion tomorrow with this the last rants goes out of course, um but uh, yeah it's been a pleasure I have I have nothing else to say really you know that's all I've got yeah, no, I was gonna crack a beer now but Noel McGrath was the one who said actually listen mate I'm actually looking <laughs> after myself now if you wouldn't mind not being such a fucking degenerate for one podcast I, te- I tell you the one thing I'm mean, I'm struggling a little bit with the fucking with energy and stuff my energy levels have just sapped from not eating meat. Maybe you start well, drinking. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid you're gonna have to get back into the old yeah. bovine category just for so. the good of your health, my friend. I think so. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I haven't been drinking much either. So yeah, listen, fuck. But listen, no, it's been fun, and I like as well. I'd like to thank everyone. Thank, thank you for the opportunity. Um, you know, uh, all the guys at MMA fighting, and yeah, listen. Um, we'll sit down, have the conversations, and we'll uh, we'll discuss this week. <coughs> I think we're gonna have a. A conference call tomorrow or something. Uh, you and I, we've a yeah. couple of people. Shh. Shh. Uh, okay, shh. Oh, sorry, I better not say that. All right, okay, shh. I'll, I'll cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah, we, we'll iron out some shit and I'm, I'm sure we'll be, uh, we'll be, we'll be, well, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, that's it. That look, you, I mean, you couldn't ask for more information than that, guys. Um, so, one last time. Let's play us out Big Dutchie with our beautiful, beautiful music. Uh, thank you all so much. You've been lovely, lovely people. Um, thanks. We love yous. And we'll see yous next time. <laughs>